Thanks for checking out this episode of Business Black Belts. I really appreciate you listening and hope you get some great insights out of today's leader. Let's dive into the show. Welcome to Business Black Belts. I'm David Golding. I have the pleasure of being here with Stephen Schmidt, founder and CEO of Title. How are you doing today, Stephen? I'm doing great, man. I think we we talked enough before the episode to almost have a pre-episode episode. episode. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's so interesting doing this that uh, sometimes the pre and post uh, are more fun than the podcast themselves. Right? Yeah, that's but, that's uh, the trailers, the 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 B side that you'll sell between seasons, right? The 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 rough cuts. Yeah. Exactly. I, I should start recording those, but it's really interesting because sometimes, uh, you know, you're probably not like this, uh, at least my, that's my, my suspicion, but some people, it, you know, they, they do kind of change when, when you hit record. I mean, there's just a self-consciousness or, a, you know, oh, yeah. um, the, the guard goes up and things like that. So that's, what's really fun is when, especially afterwards, when, uh, the button goes off, yeah. uh, you know, to kind of get people's reactions, but yeah. Um, and, you know, as a fellow podcaster, you know what that's like. Uh, mm-hmm. But let's just start start off by you doing a brief introduction to yourself, and then we'll mm-hmm. talk about uh, kind of your early days and then yeah. uh, what you're doing at Title, because that's really, really exciting stuff. Thank you. Steve Schmidt, CEO and founder of Title. We have been a company now for two and a half years. Um, I worked at normal job, if you will, jobs for, for the better part of two decades, selling, leading teams. Um, never really got into the tech era until about 2013. Um, really how I stumbled and fell in love with it was quite simple. I was at a big organization, number one seller, number one sales leader, T-Mobile B2B, made all kinds of money. We were awesome. Like this little startup in a startup, like people have had those before. Like you're well-funded. We just had $8.1 billion in fallout cash from an AT&T failed merger. Like that is, that's like everybody's dream. Like here, here's some money, go use it. And, um, the only thing we had was Salesforce. We didn't have a single other input mechanism. We didn't have an API to anything. We couldn't import contact data. Um, it was that big machine of like, oh, and if you want this, then maybe submit a request and maybe you'll get a response. And I remember being really frustrated and, and I tried to bring this tool outreach to them, which mo- most of you know outreach now. <laughs> and um, I was really advocating for and championing the efforts, doing pilots, used it myself and just, I was at 810% to co- uh, quota that quarter. Jeez. Um, because this was still like revolutionary tech back in 2016. Like people were like, wow, you can send emails <laughs> on a schedule. I'm like, yeah. And also you can like, you can, you can have variants and they're like, oh my God, that's complex. Well, we didn't get it passed through, but ultimately um, Matt Millen, who was my VP at T-Mobile, um, who was a hard ass, by the way, like my favorite kind, uh, Ended up getting a job at Outreach. He called me and he says, Steve, I'm going to be the chief revenue uh, officer at Outreach. I said, whoa, whoa, wait. I said, we were trying to get them here. He goes, no, you should come with me. I said, okay. I trusted mm-hmm. him, believed in him, and went over there. Man, I had a blast. I had I had sold and sold. And we, I mean, we were taking trips down to Mexico. And like just on the cusp of hitting $100 million, I knocked out like $280,000 my first two months selling. I, I thought it was the bee's knees. And then life hit me square in the face. I mean, I was dealing with addiction and, and like – I shouldn't have been working at that time because my afternoons soon became happy hours, you know, mm-hmm. working remote for the first time. Um, and ultimately that led to a move to South Dakota. Um, Outreach wanted their sellers to move to one of four major locations. I was going through a divorce. I was an alcoholic, terrible. 
a time to make a decision in your life that's productive. Ultimately, I think I made the right one and it's to move to South Dakota to be closer to my parents. Well, end of story goes like this. If you move to South Dakota, you'll soon find out we are not a tech hotbed. Um, COVID also happened shortly after that. So you start putting two and two together. Like not only is it tough to get a job in South Dakota, it's now tough to get one anywhere. And so I was like, man, I picked a really good time to be a consultant. <laughs> like nobody was spending money, which is actually the best time, right? Because everybody needed to innovate and change things. And so I got a call um, and which I do a call, which I do a call. And I got hired by two guys out of New York who wanted to sell PPE. I said, I can build the tech stack. I can write the content. We can get in the top hundred healthcare systems. We sold $168 million over the next six months. Wow. And um, I was smart enough to negotiate a commission only contract with them. I said, don't pay me a base. Just pay me 1% of everything we sell. And they said, we'll sell about two to three million. I said, sign me up. I'm in. Well, yeah, we sold a lot more than that. Um, now I did. I didn't make like, you know, three million or whatever. They, they, they didn't want to pay me all the money. Yeah. I mean, and so ultimately that led to the kind of the demise of that. Right. But they went on to be public. They, they were acquired. Like they're a part of some company somewhere right now. And, and um, honestly, that's where I got good at pitching people because they brought me into their pitches. I didn't even know what I was doing. They said, Hey, we're meeting with this, these guys. And I'll be like, why are we meeting with them? Like, shut up. Just don't ask any questions. We'll tell you later. Just show them the fancy tech stack thing you built and all the data. And so I'd go over all these analytics and these, these guys would be like, holy crap. Like you guys are like nailing it. We had Conversica. We even five agents for each person. I had 250 email agents through Conversica. We were spending like a hundred grand with one vendor a month because we were making 10 million a month. So it didn't really matter. Like the, the ROI yeah. was in, infinite. Now you could say, well, that board, like ultimately I stopped doing that and said, I want to start title the company, not title consulting, Steve Schmidt. Like we can do this for a lot of companies. It's kind of being done the wrong way. There was good people. I didn't know who you guys were yet, but there's, I'd say you're in that top 10 of the good guys. And then there's like 170 not so good guys, meaning they want to right. do good, but they, they don't do this. They haven't done it historically. They don't know the business challenges that outsourcing presents. They don't yep. know that customers up and leave you. They pay their bills late. Like it looks good on the outside. And you get in and it's still really good, but you have to love this so much. I mean, I look at a customer at least twice a week who's looking at me through a Zoom camera who isn't getting what they want yet. And their yeah. livelihood depends on it. And that's a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. uh, but I welcome it. I truly do. So here we are. Yeah. Title is 52, so 52 people now. Yeah. Did, uh, wow. you know. I guess run rate revenue because we're not an MRR, you know, it's, it's weird to report revenue. Our projected 2022 revenue should be between as low as 6 million, as high as 20 million uh, in our third year. So depending on where we want to go and what we want to be, we're kind of trying to grow up now and figure out like how to get operationally stable, financially stable. Like there's no money in the market right now. And there was nobody who wanted to give us money before. <laughs> like the chips are stacked against us yet again, but here we are, like, we'll make a move. And, um, we're thinking about which move to make right now. Yeah. What a fun time though. You know, I, I've yeah. been in companies uh, that, uh, you know, are at that stage of growing up and it, it uh, creates such a cool culture. And of course you have to have the right people, but um, at that size and taking it from that, you know, 5 million or so mark and uh, beyond mm -hmm. is um, just really cool. That stabilization stage, um, Huge. because you know what? I actually believe that a lot of intimacy, you know, and I mean, just a personal relationship intimacy comes through struggle. 
right? Because it is a struggle. You got to make tough decisions. And, yeah. and a lot of times you got to wear multiple hats and, and you're, you're bringing people in from the outside. And so there's, you know, a lot of, a lot of choppy waters, but I think that's ultimately um, what makes business fun and selling fun. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, let's talk about, um, you know, you said that uh, your, you know, when, when you were forming title, you built a tech stack. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that? You know, what is the tech stack? What is, what have you built mm-hmm. that the company is now relying on uh, for success? The epicenter of everything was always going to be Salesforce. <laughs> um, not that I'm against HubSpot, but Salesforce offers a lot of unique partitioning. So for example, when we have a new client come on board, that client has a business name. How do you partition those contacts off so they cannot be in anybody else's fenced off area, right? So now we've got 110 instances of three to 5,000 contacts. I mean, we've got upwards of a million clean contacts now because we able to, we use ring lead. So that's a second item on the back end. So we use Zoom Info, Seamless and Lucia are our three data tools. We use ring lead on the back end. So nightly we're sweeping our data to clean it up, right? And that's not an easy that we have one person that's pretty much their job, right? Is to, to go through and clean duplicates, uh, but also find out correct information when it's been marked in disposition incorrect. So keeping a clean CRM is number one, our most important thing, because that is the history of our business. It's the future of our business. And we can be so much better in year four when we're looking at historical data um, than we were year one when it was all brand new to us, if we use it right. Um, we have a RevOps team and a sales ops, uh, sales ops team that sits around that. Um, and beyond the Salesforce and the stack, we use a pretty simple um, stack, honestly. And this is the thing. I don't overbake it. I did. I did. Not anymore. Sales Loft. Yeah. We use Chorus because it's integrated in the Zoom Info suite. Say what you want about Zoom Info. Yeah, their data is mostly correct some of the time. Um, but they're the best data vendor out there. I truly believe it in terms of um, the integration. We have our chatbot through Zoom Info. Someone comes in, they book it, boom, an opportunity is created. The historical view, it's it's if there's an account owner, it assigns it, boom, it's clean, right? Um, so it cleans our data as well. Um, uh, you know, it's simple things like who visited your website in the last 24 hours? Where did they go? That's all integrated. So now we can push all that data back to Salesforce. So we're really, truly baking out an enterprise-grade CRM. And then the other things, conversational intelligence, we use Chorus. Why is that important? What's as important is you dedicate time to it, right? We use it primarily for coaching and just like any other agency, you, you share your call recordings with the clients. We all wish they listened to them more than they do, but hey, nonetheless, that is a foundation of the tech stack. Um, to wrap it up, of course, there's LinkedIn, Sales Navigator. Um, honestly, the year one, we found out that when we scaled reps quickly and we had upwards of 20, 25, um, to teach LinkedIn in a way that was meaningful, we kind of just said halt. Like we need to do this better. We're not going to pitch slot people. We're not going to just do what everybody else is doing. We're not going to use automation. Um, and so we're trying to teach them how to properly use it in a way that's uh, tolerated by people on LinkedIn versus just another, oh, we do LinkedIn too. And we send them a connection message. Then what? Voice messages, things like that. We try to get them more creative. And so I'd say with anything, we've leaned that stack out to seven core items. It's how do we get creative with that stack? How do we get to start to use video? since Vidyard's integrated in SalesLoft in a meaningful way. How do we unlock the analytics behind video? How do we uh, nurture, right? So it's less about the stack to me and more about how you use it. Like I've talked to a lot of agency owners and B2B people in general. And I said, when are we gonna start teaching SDRs to be pipeline managers? 
meaning I have 22 in a nurturing stage. We're giving them more information. Next stage is nurture progression, right? I'm committing to an appointment in the next week. Okay, I got the appointment. Now, did the appointment show? Was it a no-show? Was it qualified? Like once you get down to funnel analytics with reps, you can start to coach them in a way that's meaningful, not just, oh, I got an opportunity. Oh, plus one. What else is happening in your business? And I feel like we're just at the cusp of understanding what that looks like to do it the right way. But we absolutely have to lay the foundation operationally so they feel like they're trained and onboarded to that process correctly. It has to mean something for our clients. Um, meaning if I'm a client and I go, oh man, I wanted five opportunities last week, I only got two, but look at that. I had six progress from nurturing to nurturing dialogue. And this is what they're saying. Like, that's interesting because I don't want to say it's dangling a carrot, but you're like, hey, listen, people are interested in you. They're just not quite there yet, but yeah. they need to see it. So th th those are the nuances that we're trying to figure out because it's less about automation when you're nurturing. Um, maybe not so much in demand gen, but in lead gen it is. You're going to go personalization and we have to hit them with relevance, right? So all these big words that you know Beck uses and Josh Braun, they are relevant, no pun intended. Like if you're nurturing, make it relevant to the conversation you had with them about the problem they stated they may or may not have, because now you're just tying it back and trying to, to deal with the psychology of a problem, right? If you talked to me yesterday and you said, Steve, um, how's the home construction doing? I'd say, great, it's going good. Today, I'd say, I want a new crew as soon as possible. These guys showed up like they didn't do this. They didn't do that. So sometimes you just got to catch someone at the right time. And that's the beauty of what we do. Yeah. Timing is everything, right? It's everything. Um, it's so amazing. But, but it's also, you know, I think what, what I hear you saying too, is to use that to your advantage um, yeah. and, you know, make the most of those opportunities. Uh, and certainly I agree with you that, uh, you know, we as humans get way too enamored with the technology and we don't focus enough on how to use it, right? How to extract the value from that tech stack. Um, how long uh, did that take you? Because you said you kind of uh, over, you know, cooked it um, at first. What was it that uh, made you realize that you were overcooking it? When we looked at Conversica and it integrates with Salesforce and what Conversica is, is it's a tool where we would, um, they study, right? They study what they're doing. So they knew that females from the US and fictitious females, just being honest, mm -hmm. named Linda, Donna, <laughs> like, and they'd have a picture, right? And they'd have a LinkedIn profile. Like it got confusing to us because to route those conversations, like they work in a technology that's cool enough to say like, I'm not gonna ping David until the person shows an interest and raises their hand. And then it says, hey, that's a great question for David my director, I'm going to loop him in right now. And then David goes, Oh, look at that. And it was almost spoiling our reps. So they got so used yeah. to like two handoffs a day that they'd almost just, you know, forget to prospect that day. Now they still had their numbers, but they didn't do it with meaning, with purpose, mm -hmm. with intent. And they just kind of approached their day eventually like that. And someone could say, well, gee, Steve, you sold 168 million and revenue. I say, well, there's probably another 500 million on the table that we didn't get to. And yeah. that's that old obsessive, never enough in my brain, right? Where that, go, that has to go, well, still 168 million is a lot. And I go, well, yeah, yes, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's like David Sandler always said, you know, if you're a four to sixer, you're going to stay a four to sixer unless, uh, you know, you change that mindset, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's and, right. And so I think mindset is so important. Uh, and, and so let's talk about something that you and I talked a little bit about prior to, uh, 
hitting that record button, which is um, inbound versus outbound, right? Just because, you know, you guys are obviously an outbound company, you focus on that. Mm -hmm. uh, but from an overall marketing strategy, mm -hmm. you were saying that that's not the only thing that you rely on. And I think that's a really interesting thing. Yeah, we... We should, right? This is a business we're in. When we first started, right, uh, we didn't want to just hire a salesperson because that's what I did. And I think it's a good idea to have your founder sell for the first year or two to understand yep. what it's like. And then and then we had someone who was uber talented come on the team who was an AE, um, enterprise AE, and they came all the way back to a BDR role because they said, I want to be your first salesperson. I said, do this exact same thing for four months. And if you do it just like that, we'll have a conversation. She went on to set a lot of records, 60 appointments in one month. Um, on one client, like just killed the higher ed space. She's now in that position. She did uh, half a million her first uh, three months of the job in new revenue. And 62% of that was from cold calls. Now, the interesting part is emails were working really well and emails don't work so well in our other business. Well, I, if you look at who we're targeting, emails should work well when it's startup CEOs, CROs, CMOs between 10 and 100 employees. Like they have Gmail, they don't have a lot of email security. You're gonna get your email through and they're used to communicating like that. Like if you email someone at GE, who's like a VP of infrastructure, like good luck, like getting it to land, let alone getting it to get their attention, right? So it's a little bit of, you have to understand the business. And we didn't, I didn't know coming into this that LinkedIn was gonna be our quote unquote honeypot. So what I do and what I've done now for a year and a half is I hired a content uh, ghostwriter. Her name is Mackenzie Boley. Um, she's amazing. I literally credit her for a lot of my success. She doesn't write the things from scratch that I write. She She'll do a post five days a week, and it's always from an hour session. We come in on a Friday. We cut it up from noon to one. She asks me a lot of questions. She sits in on meetings throughout the week and just listens, so she's in our business. So she understands, quote, unquote, my voice, our business's voice, so well that she can take what I say that's fragmented mm -hmm. and still make a good post out of it. Now there's money in that, right? So we we had we committed to that as our ad budget, right, because we don't do ads, we spend about yeah. 5k a month getting LinkedIn posts out. Like what is a return been 60 grand in 6 million out? I'd say it's pretty good. Um, mm -hmm. And now that's, that's what's worked for us. Now, not every CEO or anybody is going to be comfortable throwing a video or a post up every day, nor should they have to. It's just what's worked for us, but we're now experimenting with TikTok. We're experimenting with Instagram reels. Do we think they'll work? We have no idea. Um, we're not just sitting around, you know, having fun, blowing party whistles like we're trying to figure out where our audience is and what they want to be hearing because ultimately we've never once in a post said by the way contact us for more information ever not once and it's never the people who comment on a post who do business with us it's the people through those dark social elements of a quick screenshot and a text message that says hey david check this out these guys are cool oh yeah wow this reminds me of what you said the other day you were looking for more appointments more revenue right and then that person contacts us hey i heard of you through david um, da, da, da. We talked to him on the phone. Yeah, it was this post he sent me. It made an impact on me. So we measure the effectiveness of each post. And so if we know what post it was, like we'll make a note in the CRM. Like, oh, it was, it was the post on uh, March 15th that had to do with this, right? Why? Because we know then how to write more content around what people are interested in. People who make good customers, people whose expectations are met, people who don't think that this should be like all of their sales muscle that resonates and so it's a better lead it's a more understanding lead it's a lead that resonates day one usually because they know what we stand for before they ever walk in the door for that first meeting now you got to live up to that though because it sounds good on video in real life it's really hard to do yeah 
marketing, they say, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I do love the way that you just um, described the organic nature of LinkedIn and podcasting, right? Because we have found the exact same thing. It is playing the long game. It takes discipline. It takes the right methodology. Also, like you're saying, you've really got to look at what's working, what's not working, honing in, but um, it is really powerful. And I believe it's, it's part of the sea change that's really happening within marketing right now. And, you know, that uh, I wish I would have adopted and adapted to, uh, you know, before I did, but, you know, obviously uh, can't go back yeah. and change that. So, you know, uh, what do you think, uh, mm -hmm. speaking of, you know, uh, a sea change or kind of this uh, transformation or transition that is happening right now as a result of, you know, technology, um, COVID and, and the work from home, uh, you know, great resignation, all these things. What do you think, uh, you know, I'm trying to put my finger on that and I haven't been able to, to nail it down yet, but I'd just love to get your perspective on kind of where we're at and where you think we're going. I think also to bring it down to a human level, I think people are more willing to get outside the box than ever. Um, I mean, everything you said, and then, and then add a, a recession on top of that that's pending. Yeah. And yeah. people are kind of just going, well, what's really real and what's not, right? We know that VC money's, VC money's dried up. Well, it's existing somewhere. Like money does get printed, right? So the factors of why that's not happening are beyond most people's um, realm of thinking. And that's okay. They don't need to understand the semantics behind that. That's why there's a lot of layoffs in tech right now. Um, during COVID, did it force more work? Well, I, I, I agree with other people that have said it simply forced what should have happened five years earlier. Like we get lazy in our routines and when we get forced to get out of it, all of a sudden we got to figure out a new way. Yeah. Um, like I've, I've, a lot of my reps are really good on the phone. Like I literally want to force them to not use the phone and literally just shut their phone account down to use LinkedIn. Because if I force that action, they have to do it. And when you're left with yeah. no other choices and you're scrappy son of a bitch, which I am, like you get really creative because yeah. you're not, you're just not going to lose Like, Okay. Now this, now this, now this. And, and for us as a business, I know the way we view it as um, has things slowed down business wise? Absolutely not. Are people looking to spend money in ways that have a, a very concrete ROI? Yeah. I've never seen more questions around guarantees and what if this doesn't work? I mean, a year ago, people were just like, here, take my money because uh, they had the PPE money from the government or PPP money, whatever that's called. And they were getting checks for a half a million bucks. And like, that feels different. I mean, as much as COVID sucked, like the financial relief that a lot of business owners got, shit, we got a check for 110 K. Yeah. Like I didn't even know it was coming. Like our account was like, by the way, you qualify for this. I'm like, well, we'll take it. Right. I mean, we needed it truly because we, we rose our salaries 30% when other people were eliminating jobs. We hired more people. We're hiring 15 people when people are laying people off. So like, we're not swimming in the lap of luxury. And I forget the one thing I would end this with is I forget that when I'm talking to people and I just think, oh, well, they have money. Like, oh yeah, by the way, we run a business too. And we don't always have money. Like cash flow is more important than ever because the cash you have is the most important cash, not the cash you may or may not get from an investor or a bank or some emergency relief fund. I think people are going to get really used in 2022 to this is my new reality, not COVID, not the pandemic. Just we live in a very, very, um, a country that is awesome. We can take risks. We can get by. We can survive. 
We can declare bankruptcy if we need to. Like we'll get a million chances if we want to. But I think businesses now are saying, I don't necessarily want to take a chance right now. I feel like right now I want to make it through 2022 because God willing, we can get to 2023 and have a more stable year. Um, it, but if you, I'll say this in ending, if you look at the the trends from every other financial quote unquote crisis, this looks a lot three months ago, like 2008 looked when the collapse happened. And I'm not a doomsdayer. But if you study any graph and just Google 2008 recession versus present, you will see these same economic indicators were there and everybody still made money. Jobs got eliminated, but innovation will happen. People will do things differently and businesses will always thrive when they give themselves a chance to versus just doing things the old way. So going back to your question about LinkedIn is like if your business is not doing well and you want to go hire the next lead gen firm, maybe stop and say maybe it's time to invest into LinkedIn and hire somebody to help write stuff and just say, I don't expect any results for a year, but I'm gonna do that. I'll still hire the lead gen firm, but I no longer expect them to be the answer to all my prayers. Uh, I can now say I'm gonna do both of them because one's a long game. I, I say LinkedIn's your retirement plan. Like cold calling is your ATM. Yeah, and, and that's so good. Everybody talks about a retirement plan, but I'm like, it's free. It's a billboard that is not being used by more than still 1% of the people post once a week or more. So I know me personally, you know, like if, if, if you're listening to this and you've heard it before, like $6 million revenue, you can make it as profitable as you want to or not. Like it's right there for you. If you've, if you've got the audience, the product, the team, go get it. Instead of talking about being annoyed that people have enough time in their day to post on LinkedIn, it's how we do business. It's just like your case study, except people don't read your case study. People do tune into LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah. It's just so true. I mean, I hate to laugh because it's, it's true. Um, yeah. It just resonates so much with me because it's really actually in, in many ways um, not funny in the sense that there is so much opportunity and people aren't taking advantage of it, right? They're still stuck. And that's one of the things that's frustrating and exciting to me all at the same time and doing what you and I do is that people are stuck and I really enjoy helping people, right? That's what I've always thrived on in sales is helping them to understand that they're stuck and that, you know, there, there, there's a better way. Um, and not that we're the only way or we're the only lever. There's lots of levers and the timing that you pull those levers is really important. But like you said, that 1%, it's got to grow because, um, those people are, are doing things that just don't work as well anymore. And they're diminishing every day. Yeah, but they still, they still do it. Sorry, my alerts just went off again. My, my little focus time ran out, but yeah, they still do it. And, and to your point is pick a time to try it. If it's not working today, try something else that might not work because it will likely work better than what's not working today. Yeah. Um, and yeah. you know how they do that. It's back to that dark social thing. Go to the four or five people you trust the most and say, hey, have you used these guys? Have you tried this? What were your results? Yeah. And if it's worked for more than two of them, which is three, and you believe in yourself, and you got a good product, then, then don't hesitate. Like, just go, well, shoot, you know what? It's not too late. It's never too late. Never too late yeah. until, until you give up, then it's too late. Yeah. That's great. All right. So let's pivot uh, and talk about what you like to do when you're not working. I'm sure as a yeah. uh, entrepreneur, you're incredibly busy, but uh, I, I have a sense that you also know how to unplug and at least breathe <laughs> a little bit. So let's talk about that. Two things. Power power walking, no kidding, is my new thing. Like I I am not like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm like 30 or 40 pounds overweight 
you know, the doctor says, but I'm just, to me, it's not like I'm walking around like obese. It's just, I want to feel good. And, um, yeah. So that's a big thing for me. Instead of just working from 3 30 to 6 30, I now work from whatever in the morning, get up, do some work, go on a walk, and that hour sets my day up pretty darn well. So that's something I'm, it makes me a better person, better husband, better father. Uh, and it makes me healthier. So, like, it's one of those things you're like, okay, why wouldn't I do this all the time? Um, yeah. So I do that. I love hanging out with the kids. I stop working at six on Fridays. I hang out with my family for the weekend. We just chill, we veg. I'm kind of obsessed with camper vans lately. So I want to get a camper van. So like I can just decide. My wife on is as well. I love that. that. Thursday night, I could say, you know what? I'm just going to go drive yep. this thing 20 miles out and go to that campsite and then work, work Friday from the camper and just get out and, and, you know, go on a hike with the kids or whatever it is. Like it's that time of life to start thinking about like my wife always says, when you succeed, like she'll always say, did you buy yourself something nice? I said, no. What, what do you mean? Nice. She's like, you should celebrate when you have success. And I'm like, nah, I don't have time for that. She's like, it's really important. She's like, it doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be a thing. Just it's okay to reward yourself for all the hard work. So yeah, I'll be power walking on a hiking trail next to my camper van on a weekend <laughs> if you see me. And then ultimately in the next, I'd say three to five years, my goal is to get a second home for for my wife and I. It's probably going to end up wherever our kids go to college is my guess because um, yeah. my wife's very good about being a mom like that. But uh, it'll be somewhere and we'll have a house here. And I don't know where else we'll call it a either in probably Black Mountain, North Carolina, a nice little mountain town or some little coastal community out in California. We'll just, we'll be working on the DL, hopefully even 44. So my goal is by the time I'm 50 to, to be on the back end slide of this thing, still working, but, but not having to, not having to grind it out for 12 hours a day. Yeah. Beautiful. I love that. And I'm, uh, it's so interesting how much we have in common. Cause I, I just recently, I have it in my pocket right now. It's my pedometer. Right. Oh, yeah. My, my uh, blood pressure got high. And so I went to the doctor and, and she asked me about how much I've exercised. And um, and I didn't I basically said not at all. And so she said, look, you got to get out, walk for an hour a day. Ten thousand steps should be your goal. Walk at a high pace. So that's what I'm doing, man. And it's hard. It, it really Good. is hard to make the time. But 10, you're so right too. in that I feel so much better. I yep. feel so much better when I do it. Um, and, and it really does, you know, I, I can listen to podcasts, I can listen to books, um, all that kind of stuff. So I, I continue to kind of stay plugged in or sometimes I just won't listen to anything. Right. If I get out in the morning, I love just getting out and, uh, listen to unwind the, the junk and watch the sun, unwind rise. the junk, yeah. right. It's amazing. If your brain's going sideways by the end of that walk, all of a sudden you're like, okay, wow, that worked itself out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you know what the, the barometer for me, Steve, is if I'm listening to something and I'm not paying attention to it, right? If I'm having a hard yeah. time absorbing it, then I shut it off. And that means I'm just supposed to walk and be present. And yeah. um, or, but then the other, the other side of things is sometimes it's, it's when I'm most present and I can really absorb something and it, it really inspires me. So it is cool. It, it, it's great to, to unplug that way. So yeah. Amen. Glad, uh, yeah. Glad that, um, you know, you, you're confirming that uh, I'm on the right path. So thank you Confirmed. so much. This has been great. And uh, Steve, you are a great follow on LinkedIn. Is there any uh, other place uh, that you want to talk about as far as, you know, how people can, can reach out to you or, or follow you? I would stay there for now. I'm not, I'd give you my tip. Well, you know what? Let's just do it. Let's do TikTok. We, uh, we're experimenting right. a lot with it. And, uh, I even got to go look at what my TikTok name is. What is it? Uh, oh my goodness here. My TikTok name is Steve sells stuff. Nice. Steve, Steve sells stuff. And, uh, you know, it's like today's video was me out walking, talking about like 
just walk in and like how it relates to sales. I said, for me, it's my reps, you know, my reps, I always go, man, I don't know why they don't do this. And one of the reps looked at me, he goes, man, I don't know why you don't do this. When I was talking about nutrition, I'm like, boom, epiphany. If I'm not willing to do the things that make sense to them and show them I'm willing to, why would they be willing to do it for me? Yeah. And so yep. I'm like, oh, boom, epiphany. And so I'm out there and I'm walking every day and they're seeing it and they're like, man, he was serious. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, I mean, I'll start doing stuff too that I talk about that I need to do more. And then they're now being more accountable because they're like, man, he's a man of his word. Look at that. I'm like, yep. And I'm having fun with it on TikTok. So Steve yeah, sells stuff. By example. That's right. Steve sells stuff. I'm going to follow you because I just joined TikTok myself um, to do exactly what you're doing, right? Which is mm -hmm. to start uh, that and Instagram both. I'm, I'm starting to see it up. what is out there for me. And yeah, um, and Twitter as well. So mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm starting to play with all of them beyond LinkedIn, right? Because I, I yeah. think it's important to have a, a omni-channel strategy, right? It is. It is, brother. Podcasts are one of them. You can take all that content, splice it up, dump them on the channels. Now you've got a content strategy. That's why you podcast. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's beautiful. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time, Steve. This has been yeah. so much fun. Steve Schmidt, founder and CEO of Title. Look forward to staying in touch. Thanks again for listening to today's episode of Business Black Belts. Should you want to see more content on both the show, marketing, and business in general, feel free to check out my LinkedIn. Thanks.